This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, the band's back together after a weekend break. Quiet weekend for everybody, I'm sure. It was for me. Was that true? Doesn't feel like that's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, just get it out of the way. So what's going on? What are you going to ask me? We, we, We walk in here today. We can't get an answer. I see a clip of you on Hockey Night in Canada, which... I didn't think they'd ever mention your name on there again, so they must love must have loved what's happened. <laughs> ah, they lost my number a long time ago. You're on there, and you're in a clip with Bill Burr, who I think might be the funniest man on earth right now, or one of the five funniest men on earth. So yeah, are he'd you be there? right up there. He'd be right up there. Are you there? You, you just ran into him there? Do you know Bill Burr? What was that? Listen, I got to tell you, I've got so many messages, more messages than I think I've ever gotten, from DMs on Instagram, Twitter, text, you got to ask him about Bill Burr. What do you think I am, Bill? An idiot? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, we're going like, to ask like, him yeah, about Bill I Burr. I think I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Listen, uh, you you think yours, your, your phone lit up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm getting text messages and emails from people I haven't heard of from in years. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's all it took was <laughs> Bill Burr, one of the best, funniest comedians out there right now, yeah. and me in a in a clip for like five seconds. <laughs> and it's like, hey, what are you doing with Bill Burr? Well, yeah, what's going on here? Is he an investor like, in Little hey, Buddha? Is uh, he coming on our show? What's happening? Uh, hey, how are you? It's been a while. What have you been up to? I'm sorry I haven't called, you know? <laughs> None of that, no, eh? nothing. <laughs> uh, what are you doing with Bill Burr? I want to know. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that tells you a lot about some people. I well, think. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Why were you? First of all, let's start. Okay. Start with the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Why were you in Ottawa? Did you win the rivalry train contest I, and you didn't tell us? I got invited okay. to go out uh, to the game. Okay. And uh, I took the invitation up by Ryan Reynolds. Uh, no, not okay. Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Uh, and Bill Burr was in the owner's box, and okay. he is. A huge hockey fan. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Big B's no, guy. no, no, no. Like, real deal, <laughs> real deal stuff. Yeah. Like, he could actually say so, the name of a player on his favorite yeah. team, not like, I, yeah. you know, like, so, when Joe Biden's like, my wife's a Philly it, fan. It came to my attention through uh, one of his security guys that uh, huge uh, admirer of the New York Rangers 1994 team. Oh, cool. So, I, I started talking to him. He asked me to sit down, and uh, we talked probably for a good hour about uh, everything about the game in the yeah. last 30 years. The, the hardest thing I imagine about being a comedian is people, like, do a funny. You know? It's like he's just a, a dude watching no, a hockey no, no. game. He is never not funny. Okay. That's and like a, a setting for him. My conversation with him yeah. was as if I was listening to him on Netflix. Yeah. Like, it doesn't waver. He doesn't come in and out of, like, it's, con- he's it's constantly authentic, authentic funny yeah. guy That's nice who's got, you know, certain opinions of certain guys in today's game 30 years ago. Yeah. And might I add, a true admirer of Clark Gillies. Oh, no Brought way. Brought up the name two or three times. The Islanders, the That's Dynasty. Awesome. I told him about uh, Real Kipper and Born. I, I work every day with his uh, son-in-law. Uh, I mentioned Sammy. He said, I don't know who those guys are. 
Never heard of them. No clue. That's hilarious. Well, hey, but, I mean, very cool. What a cool experience. That's the that's the gist of it. That's the second coolest Kipper randomly hang with the celebrity story. The other last summer when he was like, yeah, I played a round of golf with the, uh, uh, Raphael Nadal. It's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't know how I end up in these <laughs> so- predicaments, but uh, half my tweets were like, uh, Tim Cook's from Apple's not good enough anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so listen, I think that's incredible, Kipper. And the thing that I'm very jealous of you, not even just to get to hang out with Bill Burr, because that's cool, but just to be able to like belong in that conversation, right? Like <laughs> if I was, if Bill Burr was there and I was with him, I'd be like, you know, I might be trying to stupid oh, joke. Or, like, oh, it's just, okay, okay. And Kipper's just like, yeah. I'm. I belong in an hour-long conversation with Bill Burr. So good on you. His knowledge of everything, you know, from mid '80s on. Yeah. Like we talked twenty minutes. He like the Cal, uh, the Colorado, Detroit. Yeah. Right. The Claude Lemieux, Draper, and yeah. and the fights and the all of it, man. He's got like like it happened yesterday for him. Yeah. That's cool. And he's uh, he's a huge hockey fan. He's a Boston guy, but uh, lives in L.A. And we're to end up in Ottawa? No? He's, he's got a show. Oh, he's a show. Okay. Yeah, he's, okay. Got, he's, gotcha, he's, gotcha, he's gotcha. performing there. And one of his big things is that he wants to go to every... Did he, I don't know if he told you this, but I heard him talking about it on a podcast, that one of his big goals is to go to every arena for every major sport oh, yeah. in, Nor- in North America. So that's cool. I'm sure him crossing Ottawa off the list was probably one of the the harder ones (laughs) to do. That's a tough where's Waldo. But, you know, if you're an Ottawa fan, you're probably like, yeah, I swear it's not usually like this with the other team when they come in here. I swear, (laughs) Bill Burr, it's not usually like this. (laughs) Yeah. I left right away or else I would have stayed uh, and taken in his show, I think, on Sunday night. I could track down a ticket to one of those. So it was fun. It was a good experience. uh, And really... Sometimes you, there are actors or performers who just kind of don't measure up if you if you spend thirty seconds with them or you know thirty minutes. Most. And this guy is like as normal and level headed as any big time. Did you get celebrity. his number? Can we yes. get him on for Leafs Bruins? Did Wouldn't that be? A uh, we'll see if I can track him down. <laughs> <laughs> Bruins Leafs. We'll have to track him down. Second round of the playoffs. When the Leafs get by the Lightning, and it's the Leafs and the Bruins in the second round, you got to track down. Early yeah. message out to Will Arnett too, and we'll do a con- he can do the oh Leafs side. And we'll do an all comedy hockey day. That would be a very good. All idea. right, all right. So part of that Saturday night included a win. Good. Which I don't know. I mean, did, made you all feel good that uh, it's it's uh, heading in the right direction on the last half a dozen games or so here. I'm just, you know, this is maybe not great for a radio show, but I don't care, Nick. The, you know, like the, these games to me are weird right now. I don't think we're learning anything about. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I don't care either, because yeah. I, I just don't think. Yeah, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you on that. Well, it's not okay. I, I don't think that the outcomes of the games matter. You know, like I'm not like pressing for the win. I want to see that the lines work good and the goaltending's good and the pairs are solid and stuff. You know, the power play's clicking. I want to see process stuff. Yeah. I don't care that they won. Just like I don't care okay. that they lost so, yesterday. So, but you, you got that sense out of Saturday night, but you didn't get it Sunday night. About the not caring part? Just about the process. I got the sense that the process wasn't maybe as good. 
But yeah, like I don't know what you like. I'm just saying there yeah. where they are in the standings. Yeah, they got home ice. They're resting guys. These teams are out of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, f- again, uh, the comparison from Saturday to Sunday being there, twenty thousand fans. We know it's like three quarter Leaf fans felt, in that building. It felt worse than usual for sense. Like it felt it was like pretty it was blue in there. A lot of blue. What did the team blue be in there? Yeah, it did. But th- there, there are enough Senator fans where the first feeling and the vibe that I had being in that building Saturday night was this is how this felt playoff vibe. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it did. I don't know how it came off on TV on Saturday night. It just looked blue to me on but TV. It, it, it was predominantly blue, and yeah. it always is. But the vibe, and, and I think what I saw in the first 20 minutes was yeah. that there was a sense that Ottawa's playing for their playoff lives, and the Leafs weren't going to just hand it to them. Okay. I didn't get that vibe out of Saturday, uh, Sunday night. That's all. It's a really good point, though, because Ottawa, even if they are out of it, they would not be saying, like, we are mathematically still in it, so you're going to get a push from them, yeah. and so you're going to get a good good effort. And, uh, and I thought Ottawa was in it, uh, except uh, Sogard uh, let them down. Yeah. Okay? wasn't great. I think Ottawa was there, and if they could have kept the game close and maybe wait for a bounce or two, I know it never materialized, but a couple of those goals were one of the, there were goals where you know that 18 guys on the bench, 18 skaters can go. Are just going, oh, come on. We, we can do anything we want, but when pucks go through you like that, we have no chance. No. And that's what happened to Ottawa Saturday night. Yeah, particularly, like I thought the bunting one was a good shot, but particularly the Nylander one that trickled through him and the Zahorna one that was like kind of a muffin from the top of the circle goes under his blocker. I, he wasn't great. But I, Sam, yeah. Samsonov was great, though. So, you know, I thought he played excellent against Shut the out on the road. You know, and this is what I mean about process stuff and the result not mattering, but it's nice to see him go on the road and post a shutout, you know, against a team that's really going for it and, and can score too. So good showing from him. Obviously, the goaltending situation is going to require some more conversation. Do you, want, do you want to do that now? Or or we do the Saturday clips first, whichever you guys think are uh, more pertinent. We got Riley and Shen. We got Zahorna. Are we going to waste any time on Zahorna, do we think? I, a quick comment okay. yeah. saying that the first thing I notice, big, good for the Leafs. Yeah. Big. Long. Long, big. Big stick. Another goal that probably shouldn't have gone in. Yeah. But it's a nice ad going in. I don't know where he's going to be mm-hmm. come playoff time, but noticeable. And can I think uh, has some offensive ability. You know, he's not like... He's not translated that big to being like, I'm a mucker or whatever. Like, he tries to make some plays. You know, he's kind of Engvall-esque in a way. Sammy, is that good enough for you? We don't want to hear the, co- <laughs> Eng- we don't, we don't hear the coach talk <laughs> about it? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, All right, let's hear it. Very, very limited ice. It was hard for me to really, especially with 11th forwards, to really find where to use him, when to use him, and all of that. Uh, but certainly with his effort tonight, you know, he earned some trust. And scored a goal. You know, I think he ends up getting like 20% of our shots here tonight and, and very limited ice time, so it shows that he's doing good things when he's out there. 20% right. of their shots? How many shots do the guy have? So, two and a half? As, <laughs> as, as much as we've waved off tryouts for the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. with a little over half a dozen games to go, there was a tryout uh, on the weekend for him, don't you think? I guess to be what they're. 
I don't know. You're trying to figure out who their 14th guy is, kind of? Well, like, I mean, he was more Assuming noticeable. Nice and Riley? He was more noticeable in or six uh, minutes than, like, you know, Steve's has been or, you know, Abrazizi. I know he had a helper last night, but, like, I noticed Zahorna, I guess probably because of his size, but, like, like you said, he's got some touch. He's not afraid to go to the front of the net. Like, yeah, as a, as no a potential black like, that ace, guy's no good. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a guy that could, you know, play six minutes in a playoff game for you if you're desperate. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Comment on we got three minutes at a Zahorna, boys. <laughs> um, okay, so one place I want to go next is just that whole sense of now sitting guys out. And Mitch Good. Marner was one that uh, I'm sure they had penciled in for quite a while. I would assume from here on end, every time we see a guy sit out, it's, it's calculated yeah. that they had this master plan I'm just not sure if Mitch should have been the first guy that we really see on a back-to-back at home. Mm-hmm. Probably would I like to see John Tavares sit out before him. Yeah. That's to, fair. I, but I do wonder if that isn't more John Tavares is the old guy and they may want to have him get his rest closer to the playoffs, maybe have him a little fresher. Because... I don't know if it makes a huge difference when over these next few days you think that they'll do it. Because I assume Matthews will get one. I assume Tavares will get one. But, yeah, I definitely, yeah. when I saw the name sitting out, I was like, okay, no no Tavares still surprises me. The only thing on that is that I I didn't like the loss last night. Yeah. And I just felt like the message with Marner and then Giordano and uh, uh, Jake uh, McCabe, McCabe, mm-hmm. was that like this is this could be one that we could easily like just give away or you know roll away on, mm-hmm. and I just I wouldn't have I wouldn't have probably I, I would have tried to protect a, a a hard push or or win the game a little bit better than what I saw last night, and listen. I know we just spoke moments ago off air on the scheduling, but I don't have it a given yet that they are going to get home ice advantage. And I know they'd have to lose, I don't know, three out of seven. What do we have left? Yeah, so uh, if Tampa won every uh, all their five games left, they can get to 106. Um, Toronto would need six points over their next six games. So three wins would give them home ice advantage regardless of what Tampa does. They have the regulation wins tiebreaker. But, but if they go they go two and four, yeah, they could flirt with losing home ice advantage. They could, but again, then Tampa has to go yeah. five and oh the rest of the way. You know, it's, I know. it's just and, super unlikely. And it's hard. Uh, they got Rangers, Islanders, uh, Toronto, and Detroit. Well, Detroit and Ottawa are in there. I don't yeah. know where the Islanders are at this point. And Dead middle of the pack are the, the Rangers NHL? resting too? I mean, it's not... If that lineup... If if they went 4-1, and one, Tampa Bay, would we be that surprised? No. So And they're getting hot. Is there... No, we wouldn't you know, be surprised. So, yeah. Just wouldn't have rolled over that easily on a Sunday yeah, night fair at home against Detroit. I, I can totally live with that. I think in my experience with Sheldon, you know, he believes that a lot of the a lot of times when you make decisions like that, you get motivated people in and you actually get a better effort than you might get from your guys on the tail end of a back to back in a somewhat meaningless game. Um, Don't you think it went the other way, kinda, in a way? Like it's like I would say 
maybe this says more about me than it does about other people, but like you ice that lineup where you take out one of your best defensemen, you take out your, you know, best player arguably this season. I mean, not even arguably your best player this season. And, you know, you take out a veteran that plays almost every game. Doesn't that kind of give you a little bit of an excuse to not win the game? Like you're kind yes, of punting. it does. You're for, pun- for the other players, yeah. You're yes. punting on the game before the puck's even dropped in a way. It it's does. not punting. You should be good enough to beat the Red Wings. Right. But like in the back of your mind, every guy plays like they care and, a little less about and, this game. You know, when, when you're talking up front, it's Matthews, Tavares, Nylander versus Larkin and... Who else? Perron. Well, I think that's Perron, the idea. Yeah. And like, you should still be good should be yeah. good enough right. to close out that game. For sure. And, you know, let's not forget, there is, go, go compare Matthew's record to Marner's record when they're out of the lineup. Yeah. Now I think they're two games under 500. Like, think about that for a second. I mean... A team that much just missed way more time than Marner has over his career, which you can yeah. talk about as well. But yeah, no, listen, being, being without though. Mitch Marner, like, I mean, this team can't win if him or Matthews are not in in playoffs. They can't. They are but, too in, in, integral. But a good opportunity for for Matthews or or Nylander or Tavares to still say, "Hey, listen, not on my watch. Not, we're not losing to Detroit at home on my watch." And I didn't get that sense. Yeah. I, you know, and that's, I kind of started the show off uh, in this vein and still how I feel about it. Like, you can't talk me into thinking the result of that game mattered, unfortunately. But I do think that I thought Matthews was really good. I thought Tavares is now becoming an issue at five on five that you can't get anything from him. He has, I think it's like just over a shot per game in his last 10 games, you know, at five on five. He's just not getting much done. So yeah, there's, there's definite concerns, but the outcome for me personally, not a big one. Okay, let's slide that right into a Sheldon uh, Keefe uh, Kipper's Clipper here on Tavares. Uh, note that this was taken from Sunday pre-game b- before yep. the game. Yeah, um, I think we've we've looked at different things in there. I, I mean, no, I think in a lot of ways, you know, John, he's a guy who generates a lot a lot of his shots and his scoring chances come in the middle of the ice, come in the slot, come in around the net. Anytime you're a player like that, you're relying on your wingers and you're relying on the other players to to make a lot of that happen. Um, so I I correlated a lot to the fact that for me, Will has his game hasn't been at this to the same level. So when you've got that, those two things happening, I think it's it's natural that you're not there's not going to be as many pucks available in those spaces. So that's something for us to continue to look at. So that to me is a Mitch Marner conversation. That, to me, is the conversation we had last week where he says John gets his shots from in the slot, but he needs someone who can get him the hockey puck there. And currently, the guys he's playing with cannot get him the hockey puck there. And furthermore, do you know who can get him the hockey puck there? Uh, Our MVP this year. Yeah. No question. That's a damning damning quote. I, I don't want to go back to an earlier conversation <laughs> but your centerman shouldn't be a guy that needs the puck okay but your centerman is a guy who needs the puck yeah i know you're, you're gonna make you're gonna make the best of a situation here and yeah, yeah they need Tavares needs a guy like he doesn't like create Mitch. his own chances you know like he he is yeah. so much better with marner so much better with marner matthews is better with marner Tavares is so much better with Marner. 
So, you know, do you want to get a lot more out of one guy or a little more out of another guy? To me, it's a no-brainer. With Marner and Tavares. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, th- I go back to Marner, Tavares, O'Reilly. What's interesting to think is, like, were they testing out if Matthews can drive a line with Bunting and Yarncroft? Both those guys on the wings have made a case for being on that line. They played together last night. Mm-hmm. Did they want to find out if they can do that? Then they it frees them up to do, you could do Tavares and, and Marner and then Riley and Willie for your next two lines. Yeah. You just wish at this point it would be all settled by now. Sure Agree. Do. And, sure do. you know, for us to have a conversation in April about their first two lines as if, do you rob Peter to pay Paul? Yeah. Is not a great thing right now. Nope. <laughs> so they got to get Willie going. I, I really think the last three games of this year, like they need to have the exact same lineup they're going to use in game one. Like get the reps, no one rest, figure it out. Because this has been a lot of experimenting, is it not? Yes. Like too much. Tinkering. Yeah. A lot of tinkering. Yeah. Do you want to... Uh, Matt Murray? What's that? Matt Murray? Well, sure. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay. Like, repeat, play. <laughs> repeat, <laughs> play. Repeat, play. I do feel some comfort that you and I and Sam had this conversation ad nauseum heading into the trade deadline about how you didn't trust his ability to stay healthy and they should do something. Not that this was anything Matt Murray did or anything but bad luck, but the man, call him monkey paw jinxed. We did talk about this every day leading up. Was it Raymond? Yeah. Yeah. That slid into him? Raymond, yeah. Blew his shoe. Like right through the blue paint. Yeah. You know, and like I'm I'm with the whole telecast. Like there was nothing. No intent. No intent, nothing, but... Here's a guy that is vulnerable constantly, and he gets ta- his feet taken out from him, and we all saw his he- back of his head hit the ice. Sure not did, nice. right? Not, not good. And, and he had concussion issues with in Ottawa, no too. opportunity to defend himself or give him a chance to brace himself. Bad luck. That was just horrible. On that account, you just feel so bad for the guy, but there's. There's something around that, I don't know, or the, his aura that... He's cursed. <laughs> he's cursed. <laughs> I don't, I'm not using that word. You, okay. But I'll there's take it. just... And it's not like they weren't forewarned. Yeah. We had conversations on Matt Murray when he was in Ottawa last year. I remember shows going... He can't stay healthy, can't stay healthy. One of my pals roots for the Sens. Second they got him, text me like, he's great until he sneezes in warm-up. And then, again, I'm not trying to make light of Matt Murray's unfortunate luck here, but it has been incredible how regularly it's happened. So if they are in this predicament, can we not say that Brendan, Kyle have no one to blame but themselves? Here's my thought on that, though, Kim. Maybe they love Wool. Maybe they just truly think he's better than anything they could have got. They do. They do love him. Yeah. But. Eight NHL games. Where are you? Where are you in a, in the ability of if you have to go to him on, on the confidence that this guy can be thrust from barely having a full great season to the NH, uh, AHL 
to now trying to carry a team that hasn't won in almost 60 years to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, is it a fair... If you need him. Is it a fair position? Is it him? fair? By the way, Samsonov looked like we're, he hurt himself in that same game. Well, we're about to find out what how you feel about it because, listen, you never go through a playoff run without both your goalies playing. So, like, don't, unless don't, it's a seven-game run. Don't you have to put Wall in tomorrow night against Columbus? Oh, absolutely. At home? What, do you just to make sure he's got a game close listen, to playoffs? Uh we're still what two and a half weeks away from the uh, the end of the regular season. Oh, we're ten days away. Are we ten days? Ten oh, yeah. days, and then playoffs start two weeks today. Okay, Monday night, two weeks from now. Oh, it's two weeks to the to the day. Okay, so we will have a better feeling, I think, or at least not us. Maybe the Leafs will have a better feeling for the next. Uh, they'll need they'll probably need two or three days to find out whether or not this is going to be. Short term or long term for Matt Murray, don't you think? He may, I, there's a chance he's fine. Like I, I looked at it and he definitely hits his head, but it's not like it's a, a conk. Even even if he's fine, yeah. with his concussion history, you're not going to forget about uh, knees, hips, shoulders, ankles, groin this year, groin. Forget about all that. With his history alone, you're not putting him in the next ten days. You need fourteen days. You think he won't play now till playoffs? I, I. I I can't imagine with his history and watching him bounce his head off the ice that you're going to put him in here. You're going to put him in a game as early as next weekend. His 2021 season. Tell me season, if I'm wrong. No, you're not. His 2021 season ended, or 21-22 season ended with the Senators because of a concussion, and he had multiple concussions during his time with the Penguins. They generally, they don't get better. You know no, what I mean? No, it gets harder to come back. It, as they say, it's like just peeling an onion. Everyone, you know, just gets, you get closer to the core. Yeah, That's not a good thing. No, there's less there, yeah, to protect you. It is uh, it is concerning for sure. So, um, Wall tomorrow night? I mean, you've talked me into it. I hadn't thought about oh, it, but absolutely. now I'm in, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's listen to Sheldon Keefe talk about Matt Murray. Just given the fact that Matt's battled back um, two injuries already this season, what goes through your mind when you see him leave the game I mean, I don't know, just go in the hands of the trainers, they'll deal with it, and he'll bounce back, and Sammy will go. Nothing to see here. He's feisty. Very sometimes. short and yeah. to the point. Doesn't want to yeah. talk, have that conversation. Seems like a man who is frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I would like, say so. Listen, horrible luck, but that's two times now where your quote-unquote starting goalie who's been on a roll has had to go into a game ice cold. You know, you think about warm up against whoever the hell that was against, and then you think that's, about this game. That's part of the goalie life, though. I'm sorry, yeah. but, I, but you, I mean, you come to the rink whether you're starting doesn't mean you ain't you ain't finishing. I agree that it's hard, Sammy, but I'm with you that like that's your job. Be prepared. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're behind Matt Murray. You should have some expectation. <laughs> you might have to go in. God, I know, unfortunate. Though, so, maybe. Like, so was uh, that, Curtis oh, Joseph the backup goalie? No, no. was he the e bug? No, he. Okay, so God love Mike Zeisberger, longtime scribe for The Sun and now NHL.com, sent out a tweet saying that he texted with Curtis Joseph saying that he was, in fact, the emergency backup goalie. And there's a picture with Cujo with a goalie bag at one point. But they don't, we don't know entirely when that was Taken. clipped. No. You know, and, and I'm, I'm part of the alumni. Yeah. They, they played this weekend, and... 
Curtis doesn't live in Toronto, so he stores his uh, equipment ah. uh, at Bank Arena. Yeah. And we don't know when that was maybe. It, yeah. We assume it was yesterday, but at what point right. was it taken? Was it at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock when they saw him roll in? And we do have Sheldon's answer about if he was the e-bug or not. Okay, let's have a listen. Do you know who the e-bug was? Uh, I don't know specifically who it was, but I know who it wasn't. <laughs> I couldn't believe no one answered a, asked a follow up to that. I'd be like, "Is it was it Curtis? <laughs> was it Mister Joseph?" So uh, yeah. did he have a Zamboni license? <laughs> How about that one? Great if Cujo did. Uh, but I think you know, just to look at Samsonov when he came in, I thought he played pretty well from the time he came in until the end of the game. When he comes in ice cold, doesn't know he's going to play. Yeah, like, first one goes in, and then after yeah. that, he was who he rob. Post oh, to yeah. post. Pulled it off. The, Might have uh, been his, his best save of the year. One that hits the post and as hits his back and is going in and he pulls it out. Yeah. Yeah. That good, yeah. That's one where it looked like he was favoring something when he got up from the ice and every single person yeah. in the Leafs Nation was just like, oh, we're doing this with Wall then? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, another thing that stood out for me and, and many others was Luke Shen's battle with Brady Kachuk mm-hmm. and the ability to box out and clear out and. How realistic? How realistic is it now that we're going to see Morgan Riley and Luke Shen in Game One? I think it got a lot closer, did it not? Well, they've been paired together now three straight games. You know their results aren't exactly dynamite, but the other pairs look really good when that's a pair. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's becoming likely. Why don't? Uh... How, how bad have their results been? Well, expected goals over the last five games, they've been 44%. The other pairs have been like 67 and 71%, like done really, really well. So, you know, I had one bad night over five games can really skew that. And mm-hmm. They didn't have a great night last night. But um, anyway, let's listen to Keith uh, talk about Riley and Shen. I think they're doing good. I think they're still finding their way. Like they, you know, that's been, uh, you know, the, we've gone with McCabe and Brody but for a good chunk of time here now. Uh, and same with Gio and Hall, who obviously played together a lot over the last couple of seasons. And then Riley and Chen is the newest one, and then and then Chen is kind of sharing shifts with Lilligren. So that's the one that hasn't had as much time, but uh, I see it coming together. I thought Mo had some really good moments in the game here today, uh, activating and being involved in the offense and broke up plays defensively. And then Chen is you know doing his thing as well and, and getting in the way and being physical and advancing the puck. So you know to that end, I, I thought it was good. There's some, they had some tough shifts today against. You know, their top line, which I said was a real handful for us here tonight. But, um, you know, you can see it coming together. And, and, I, and I like that. I like how all the defense really has been, has been moving here lately. Mm. 13 and a half minutes for Shen Saturday night. Uh, Sunday night, I think he almost clocked 17 minutes. Oh, did he? So yeah. where's the happy place for him? Hmm. Good question. I did like Riley a lot last night. I liked him. In both games. Yeah. Uh, 14 yeah. minutes? <laughs> that was how I put a period on the end of 14. Is that about for you? Listen, if I like his physicality. Yeah. I don't know who he took out. Tim Stutzel Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, I just. It's nice just to see. Nice to see. <laughs> yeah. Just nice to see a guy that's willing to piss somebody really off. Yeah. Yeah, not Those, afraid to look someone in the eye. Like his hits hurt. Yeah. They're not just, hey, I'm going to separate you from the uh, the puck. Yeah. I'm trying to hurt you. 
It, I agree. That's a really welcome factor for them. It, what's scary is like every minute a defenseman is below 20. If you think every pair has to play 20 minutes, 20, 20, every minute he's below, someone else has to be above. So, you know, you gotta, it's, it's asking a lot if you have one guy who only plays 12 well, minutes or something. Okay. <clears throat> just, gonna, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You got well, anything to add? Well, just on Shen, the, I thought like guys are, don't want to screw with him. Like, when he's leaning into them, like, he really does feel like he has that not only physical side of him, but tough guy side of him where people don't want to fight him. Like, And I, he's, uh, you know, talk about authenticity with, like, Bill Burr or whatever. He's not a phony. No. Like, no, not, no, no, know, no, no, no. Like, he's not a bluffer. He's no. not a bluffer. Like, if they want to do Kuch- it, he will. Like, Kachuk, to me, had his least effective game against the Leafs that he's had in multiple seasons on Saturday night. And it felt like a lot of the time they were head-to-head with each other. And he was leaning on him. He smoked yeah. him at center ice in that one shift, leaning on his back. Like, it just felt like he discouraged him a little bit. Yeah. And you can kind of dream on that against Tampa in terms of, like, maybe he can lean on somebody and make him feel a little less welcome. I, I don't know. I just I think it's pretty clear to me that he is, he's one of the, the six yeah. on game one in two weeks. Okay. We got about uh, seven minutes to go until we break. Okay. So we're going to go it. from... A Luke Shen conversation to a Michael Bunting conversation. What is going on? Because uh, if you want to talk about a guy that gets some 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 room and respect on the ice, it appears that Luke Shen doesn't have the same issues as Michael Bunting. Yeah. You know, in, in our way into the studio, we just had a very short chat about it, and I just said, I can't recall anyone getting this treatment that Bunting is getting from the officials. And I'm not trying to be dramatic about that. I just can't remember a case where there's so clearly – have looked like they've come together and said, all right, no more from this guy. Yes, and I I agree. I 100% agree. But, you know, and I think it was Craig Simpson last night that said, you know, they're going to have to straighten this out or he's going to have to kind of figure this out before they get into the playoffs. And now they've got six games to go and – there's not enough time. There's not enough time to for him to, I don't think, change that narrative. No, but I do like the idea that it's bubbling over now. And so one of the clips we have, Sheldon says that's up to Kyle in the league or something to sort out. I like the idea that hopefully they have a conversation before playoffs about this because he really did take a good amount of abuse for okay, a guy I, who got matching penalties. I, I got plenty more to say on okay. this subject, but let's go to Sheldon Keefe on our first clip, Sammy, of Michael Bunting. Yep. yep. I mean, based on the way that he's been officiated of late, I, no, I'm not surprised at all. So that's, that's part of it. But, you know, it's uh, Bunting has got to do the, his best to stay on the line. And in terms of how he's been officiated, Kyle will deal with that with the league. Hmm. So... I don't know who he would talk to or how you would go about doing that, but if you're Kyle, yeah, I presume you reach out to whoever and you send along the video clips and you go, okay. Well, listen, their office is right upstairs. There's no sending anything. You march right upstairs yeah. and you talk to the hockey department uh, <laughs> of officiating. They're right upstairs uh, in the office. Yeah, is that right? right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And say, what are we doing here? Well, like, it's okay. Listen, you to Sheldon's point, you 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 got to let the guys above you fight for that uh, that with uh, the league. But you know, there's going to be a a pushback on the league's part saying that this guy he tries to officiate for us, 
And that's what it is, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It's like it's not the I'm flopping. wearing the uniform. Yeah. You don't get to call the penalties. And that's the biggest beef. Well, there's a couple, but that's to me is the biggest beef. And I think last night, guys, was a prime example of that little uh, that that little sequence of events when he hit Jake uh, uh, Jake Wallman, Mm -hmm. right? A great hit, by the way. Maybe yeah, 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 it's a great (laughs) hit. It would be a hit that would piss me off because he had moved the puck already. I'm facing up ice. I follow through on my pass. Thought Bunting Listen, got above him enough. I'm not calling the late hit uh, or the hit late, but the puck's gone, and now you yeah. blindside me. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it's a blindsided hit. There's no penalties for no, blindsiding. No, but it's coming hits. from an to, angle. If if you if you have a legal check, you can you can blindside a body check right. and be legal. Just because legal. it's technically legal doesn't mean I have to like it. Exactly. Yeah. So now the puck's gone, and you get it a cheap one on me because I've, I've passed the puck through. So if, if I'm Wallman now, I'm going, I'm going, I'm, I'm going back at you. Mm-hmm. And that's the first cross check, right? And that's where you should get a, the retaliation or the penalty. You know, guy throws I a clean hit, you throw a cross check, see I, you later. Cross this, check. this is my interpretation okay. now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. First cross check comes in and the official goes, yeah, right, that, that that one's for a little bit of that blind side there on him. So we'll just wash it and, and we'll move on. This is where now he, he his purpose now is to follow up on the fact that I've got Wallman pissed off. So I'm going to now bait him into the second cross check, yep. right? And he doesn't turn around on the first cross check. And deal with it man-to-man, eye-to-eye, and saying, listen, right, I'm not going to have this. He waits for the second one and then falls even harder mm-hmm. to draw a second cross-check that was never there for the first cross-check. And I think there's a part of, part of the officiating team that goes, listen, you gave him a bit of a suspect cheap shot that I yeah. didn't feel that was worthy for a penalty, but go deal with him. Go deal with him. You yeah. you made your bed. You lie in it. Is that the ref's job? Is it his job to decide if enough frontier yeah, justice they, they has been it. handed yeah, out? Yeah, they do. Oh, it. I know they do it. They do it. But I think if you're listening to this and you're someone who hadn't played, you'd say, "Call yeah. the damn penalties. If it's yeah. a penalty, call the penalty." I'm with you. Yeah. I actually, and I can, in both cases, I think the refs were right. I just don't think they can do that. Because if every time you're interpreting intentions the way you think... No, 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 no. Not every time. Just but Bunting's, they are with Bunting Bunting's interpretation. Everyone else has a different book. For sure. Everybody goes by different rules. Though, or should he? Yeah, I like it. I like it because there's the some... The 10 was there, funny it's, because it's because, no one else in the league we, gets that we, penalty. We know there's, like, yeah, we know there's some guys that uh, uh, are more stand-up than others that will fight their own battles that will fight for their own space that will answer the bell and they don't feel he's one of them the biggest reason the biggest reason why he doesn't get the call is because the officials don't respect him and the way he plays and the way he 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 looks at the official for calls he snaps his head back he tries to get secondary calls they don't like any of it so they just 
Leave him alone. It's actually crazy that he is on the right side of penalty differential this year. The number one in penalties drawn this year is McDavid. Number yeah. two is Bunting. Okay. Can, Look can, at the top five, by yeah. the way. Dubois, Marchand, Kadri, yeah. can, can Brady, you, Kachuk, can, can you tell me if that was spread over month to month? Where were the majority of the calls? Were they in November, December? How many calls has he gotten? It's gotten worse. In, in February, March, and April. Yeah. And penalties taken, by he's the way, be, he's second in the league. I was going to say he's got to be leading the league. Second in the league behind Rasmus Dahlin. Dahlin is minus, minus 21, penalty differential. Bunting's plus two. Do you have a secondary uh, clip? Yeah, we got another one. Okay. And he eats three cross-checks and he ends up taking a, you know, he gets taken to the box with it. I don't know if he had four or five punches in the, in the face in the scrum and he ends up with a 10-minute misconduct. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough for him, he's, but he's got to find his way through that. And like I said, you know, Kyle will deal with the other stuff and see what we can get done there. But a bunch has got to be able to stay focused and just keep playing. Bingo! You got it. You got Just play. Yeah. Which we've said all year on this show. Yep. You understand just why play. Keith plays him less? He's probably terrified he's going to take a bad penalty at the wrong time. He's second in the league was, in penalties. Uh, I think it was Elliot on the show yesterday that said they, they've – they're trying to get him not to talk. But here's the thing, and That's I feel whole like game. we have underrepresented this. This is what makes him Michael Bunting. If he plays like he plays offensively and acts like Willie Nylander, he's not as useful. Yeah, He's an element to the other team that's like, God, get this guy off of me. I think They're if, sick of it. You I, love that. I think if he just picked his spots and fought a couple of times, it would go a long way. Don't disagree. It would go a long way to pick to a couple at of guys. least every once the in Matthews a while to say, I, 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 I'm answering. Yeah. I'm answering. But to to lie on the ice and wait for a second gone. and third call. He's just never gone once. It's just, it doesn't take. built like me, but go, smaller. Go, go pick out the weakest guy in the world and just. Goat him into a fight. I've tried that too. You still get punched <laughs> in the face. Does <laughs> that say about me? Just one or two fights for the guy a year yeah. would go a long way. But when you want to play that way, every once in a while, people do want to see you just say, hey, I'm, you know who I'm, I'm holding myself accountable. You, might, you know who may want to see that? The refs. The refs want to know that what you're doing is out of anger and frustration and it's real and not just a trying to trick them exactly okay we're going to take a quick break we're a little few minutes over but uh, we're coming right back brian lawton former nhler agent general manager friend of the show nhl network uh, analyst uh, he's going to come by and uh, give us his thoughts on bunting uh, the leafs and closing out the national hockey league regular season brian lawton after the break you're watching and listening to real kipper and born Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, our next guest will help us close out the half a dozen NHL regular season games to go for many hockey clubs, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's welcome in Brian Lawton. Lots, what's going on? Not much, Kipper. Just enjoying. Uh, there's not a lot of anxiety for Toronto fans. I think they feel pretty comfortable where they're going to finish. But there's a lot of other teams having anxiety. 
as we come down the uh, final four or five games of the season. Very exciting. You know what? Uh, we were just talking about that uh, predominantly at the start of the show in terms of how you go about it and uh, how hard you want to push. We saw Mitch Marner take the night off last night. But, you know, is there a fine line for you on on what you want to see in the next few games? I wasn't exactly thrilled to see the Leafs give up two points at home on a Sunday to Detroit, regardless of, of the season being so close to the end. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough. You have that fine balance of making sure everybody's ready to rock and roll when they get in the playoffs, and yet you always want to try to get some rest for the guys like Marner that had played you know, every game up until that point. Um, obviously, a couple other players also, whether it be age or what have you, bumps and bruises, getting some time off. But I never liked when the guys got too much time off down the stretch, especially this close to the end, personally. So with the Leafs here as they kind of head down their stretch lots, what what do you want to see from them? What will make you feel most comfortable about their chances heading into game one of the playoffs? Well, I think they've had another fantastic regular season. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's not a lot that they can do, in my opinion, that I'll feel great about until I see them win a playoff series. So true. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they can go with all that we feel great. We finish strong. I don't care if they lose uh, their remaining. You know, they need to get a few more points just to really close out Tampa. But do they end on a losing streak, a winning streak? Care? Just show me what you're going to do to get it done in the first round. Hey, Lots, when, when we saw Matt Murray finish – out in Ottawa, I'm not sure how many teams would have given him another look. And it's not like it was questionable on on his past history of being hurt, right? It wasn't even a fine line. There's some teams that said, I'm not taking a guy that gets hurt so often. And yet, Kyle Dubas did it. And here we are watching him get hurt again uh, last night. And I'm just wondering, in your opinion, is that going back to the Leafs making the decision to go get Matt Murray, was that based strictly on a, on an analytical department and trusting them more than maybe a, a gut instinct? I obviously don't know 100%, but my suspicion is that, you know, when you get forced to, into this all the time when you're a general manager, you want to get all the information you can. Toronto is very good about how deep they go on players. But at the end of the day, you still get pushed into a bit of a gut feel. There there were options available last year, but there weren't a ton of great ones. Ultimately, they made their bet on Matt. It hasn't gone as they would have hoped, partly due to injuries, which really isn't a massive surprise. At least there's been enough history in the past where you had to know that coming in. Uh, It's just one of those swings you take, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I could look at Edmonton and say it hasn't worked out with Jack Campbell there either. But luckily for both clubs, (laughs) maybe the secondary options, certainly in both cases, have stepped up and done a really nice job, and it's been able to kind of smooth that over. So would you love to have Murray playing as well? as he possibly could, so that Samsonov doesn't have to be so counted on. Yes, you would. 
I don't think that's the case right now. We don't know what's going to happen with that backup spot, but um, you know, that's just part of being a GM. You've got to make really tough calls and nobody, I don't care who you are. Nobody calls them right all the time. Lots like every team who has a chance at winning the cup among the real cup favorites, you look at Boston or Tampa or Colorado, you know, you can name Vegas. You can name a number one defenseman who's going to play 26 minutes a night and be very important. Morgan Riley, uh, pretty universally accepted as the Leafs' best D. Can can it work with him playing with Luke Shen, trying to manage those minutes the way he's played with Labushkin and other sort of, I would say, not top pair guys in the past? I think that Luke has had a tremendous season and he's done an incredible job to put value back into his career. He's such a good guy. I mean, I have so many great stories about him and how he's just... He's one of those guys that's always working behind the scenes for the organization, and you don't even know it. And believe me, I could give you very specific examples. That's the good part. The bad part for me is there comes a certain point where the minutes have to stay below a certain number. And can the Leafs do that and keep him paired with Morgan Riley? Sure they can. They're going to have to move him around in terms of even strength ice time, and obviously penalty-killing uh, ice time. But, yes, it can work, but I don't think it'll ever look like a prototypical number top pair where both guys are within 15% of each other ice time on a nightly basis. I just, I'm just i not sure that Luke can give you that much ice time, and uh, you're going to end up with great results. But he clearly can play with him. He clearly is a positive influence and he really has had a great year. He's thrilled to be back there. I know him, and uh, he's just a terrific human being. We're talking to Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, and general manager. We had a pretty healthy dialogue uh, on Michael Bunting and his inability to draw penalties anymore. Lots. Can you recall playing with a guy or managing a guy when you were in Tampa Bay that just would not get uh, the benefit of the doubt like Michael Bunting's getting right now? Yeah, his name was Dino Cicerelli. <laughs> Dino was unbelievable. He would flop like you've never seen, and when he didn't get the calls, he would ramp it up five more times until he did, and he was relentless. Did he always get calls as times went on like he did in his early seasons? No. I think the refs become desensitized to it a little bit. You can only fall so many times and slap your stick like a beaver tail on the ice. But, uh, <laughs> Dino, Dino had it down pat. I love playing with him. Uh, he obviously was all in for drawing penalties because he was always on the number one unit, and it usually meant it was going to be a good result for him. So uh, that was his way to help the team play. But I felt like it started to dry up the deeper he went in his career. Now, Dino also wasn't a guy to drop his gloves, but he had no problem conking you over the head with his <laughs> stick. I think his most is one of the the lengthier one was on Luke Richardson, if I if I remember correctly. But you know, he he did fight for himself, but he did it with his stick. Yeah, no, that's right. He was a fierce competitor. Um you know, he would always joke with me. Don't worry about fighting anybody. If, if they can get through you through this coho, then they can have you. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a, a unique <laughs> position to. You know, I don't think you could do that as much today. You can. It'll be very no. expensive, though. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. No, you absolutely cannot do that today. But you know, I mean, look at uh, another guy I played with, Pat Verbeek. He was amazing. But every time I would see him when I played with him in Hartford, I would joke. And I would put my stick up like in front of my face up about four feet. And I would always say, Beaker, how do you play the game with your stick up here in this full-size cross-check position all the time? <laughs> and he just said, that's just the way I play lots. It's worked for me for a long time, and it's going to keep working me for me for a long time. So it was incredible stuff. Everybody had their own style. But the game allowed you to be that way, a little bit more shoot first and ask questions later. Nowadays, if you're going around cross-checking, guys in the face if you're doing those types of things uh it just doesn't fly the league is totally different than it used to be in that respect lots here perfect guy for us to have on the show we ended off last week talking about um marty walsh getting hired by the nhlpa uh you having been a you know a player and an agent and a gm you you would have a great understanding of the pa and how it works what are your thoughts on the walsh hire and what they can expect you know him to try to work on to try to get accomplished Tough to say, to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, I was a registered agent for a long time, so I certainly understand how the NHLPA works. Uh, It's a new chance. It's a new opportunity for the players. Um, But the whole thing's a little bit bizarre to me, and not that Marty Walsh won't be great. Uh, It's it's a very outside-the-box hire. It's a guy that, as far as I know, in speaking with agents and players, hasn't put a lot of time in so far yet to really uh, get connected with the players. And I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. I could be totally wrong on that. That's just my opinion, but I haven't had a lot of people because I asked a lot of people in the business, how's your con, you know, your initial conversations gone there with your new director. And uh, I haven't had a lot of people tell me they've had them and that surprised me. So maybe it's just a slow start. Maybe there are other commitments he had to wrap up. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done there for a new director with the NHLPA to get up to speed. You've got to get the players to believe in what you're doing. Uh, Bob Goodnow was very good at that. You could say what you want. You were their kipper. Uh, doesn't matter if you're good, bad, or indifferent to Bob. He worked really, really hard to connect with the players and try to understand what they were trying to accomplish. I think once Marty does that and he gets a good feel, they'll have a good outcome. I will tell you this, Gary Bettman has always said the same thing. Um, Having good people, strong people, competent people on the other side has always been a benefit for getting things done. And I hope that that's the end result for both parties, that the NHL has somebody that uh, they really respect and believe in and that the players can build that type of bond so we can continue to grow this game. It's not an easy task, that's for sure. Where would you sense that his top priority would be to outside of getting to know the players and finding out what they're all about. But lots, is it uh, a potential uh, escrow situation to bump up the salary cap as early as next year? Is it waiting when the, there's a new negotiation for the CBA in what, three years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, international hockey, where, where does Marty go first? Yeah, I think he's got to get to a real strong position with the players. There's a lot of areas to start in. And on the immediate front, yes, I think, you know, it's not great for teams when the salary cap slows down. If you really, uh, you know, could go and open all the 
find the teams that have bigger markets generally like the cap to keep going up. It allows them to keep their product together longer. Um, it just gives them more opportunity to win. You might get the other side of that for teams not in that position. But ultimately, uh, for Marty, he's got to figure out how does the, the players are in a pretty strong position in terms of escrow next year. I believe that bigger market teams, at least, would like to see the cap go up. I think most people would like to see it go up, but it's never everyone because you have too many masters. And uh, that will be a challenge, how to balance that out. I can't imagine the players want to want to increase their escrow because, as you know, Kipper, that's always a hot button. So there's just a lot to unpack, taking the temperature of the membership, trying to get them to articulate and identify what's important to them, should be his marching orders moving forward. How about amongst the players themselves? Like, you know, we talked a little bit about the guys who need to be involved. Are you, do you, do you see the same level of engagement from players today as, you know, with the PA as there may have been 20 years ago, 10 years ago? No, I don't. You don't, eh? Quite frankly. Is that a no. problem? And, and the reason is, it, uh, I think it would make the union stronger if you have more representation from the people that really move the needle. The whole deal with the PA through this process of coming up with a new director was somewhat bizarre to me in that it wasn't the, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the way that it was going back in the early nineties where, you know, there were clear issues that players were trying to solve. Every single player was aware of it. Everybody was engaged in it and it allowed, I think, players to really profit long-term by banding together kind of you kind of have to put your foot down demanding that you know we move together more in a partnership that's happened it's been good for the league they don't have that right now it's missing it's part of the reason why you don't see as many key players that'll be a big challenge for the new executive director try to figure that out how do you get the players emboldened Um, but for the most part there just doesn't appear to be um, that rallying cry that there was very existent in the late 80s, early 90s when things started to change. Lots, as we look at uh, the Eastern Conference closeout, are you uh, surprised to see Florida back in it? Uh, I, had the, I, I wrote them off a long time ago. It is surprising. Um, they just couldn't get it going. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was having season from the drop of the puck and uh, somehow, you know, he's continued that amazing season. He's got these guys galvanized and and they're right there. Uh, Their schedule is tough down the stretch here, but you know, they've got one more game left than the Islanders. They're technically only two points behind. Could they do it? Yes. Do I think they'll finish ahead of Pittsburgh? I think with the schedules, when you really analyze it, that's going to be a challenge, but I'm sure they don't care right now. Uh, it would just be a huge win for the Florida Panthers if they can find a way to maybe somehow jump in front of the Islanders. It's going to be a great finish when you look at the games. That's probably one of the more exciting finishes uh, and potentially one of these uh, huge comebacks that you can't believe happen if Florida can get it done. Yeah, I mean, there's some great finishes in both conferences right now. Is there any uh, potential playoff matchups that would really – you know, get your attention. Obviously, Tampa Bay and Toronto takes up the bulk of our time, but looking at the other potential series, anything else out there really uh, pique your interest? Well, I mean, just to be fair, the, the Buffalo Sabres, who 
I'm not really mentioning there because they are behind Florida, but they do have a couple games in hand. And I, and I certainly haven't written them off in my mind. I think they're still alive. They're going to have to have a tremendous finish here if they want to sneak in potentially above an Islanders or Pittsburgh and a Florida. But uh, I'm dying to see them in the playoffs. I love watching their team play. I think they're young. They're big. They're fast. They're exciting. They got superstar players that maybe aren't as well known right now, but certainly will be in the coming years. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see how the Pacific ends up. Uh, Edmonton has been on such a tear. I'm in shock that at the run they've gone on, and things really haven't changed that much at the top of the division. They've been able to move yeah. ahead of Seattle, but L.A. and Vegas have uh, stayed you know, just barely in front of them. So I think that's going to be a fantastic finish. I'd love to see an Edmonton-Vegas first-round matchup personally, which can only happen if L.A. finishes first. Is it just at home making the difference in Edmonton? Can one guy come in and do that lots? One guy? Um, The answer is a combination, in my opinion. You can trace it all back to at home. I think that was a brilliant move by Ken Holland. Uh, they got the perfect player. There wasn't a ton of D out there, but, you know, Carlson's name was out there. Chikrin was a guy that a lot of people said they should get. I knew Edmund really never in on that. That wasn't a direction they wanted to go. Ultimately, they really struck pay dirt. They had to give up a good prospect in Reed Schaefer to get him. But uh, the impact that he has had has been incredible. There's been a little bit of a side impact that maybe people weren't accounting for, and that is when Tyson Berry also went in that deal, it opened up a path for Evan Bouchard to really step his game up. So it's almost like they got two top 4D out of that deal. Now, they did lose Tyson Berry, but Evan has been able to replace what Tyson was giving them with maybe even a – a higher upside, so to speak, certainly a big age difference. And Tice has played really well for Nashville, to be fair. But Ekholm has been just dominant. He's been the perfect elixir. He's serious, uh, but he's passionate about the game. I think he'll play a bigger role next year when Broberg starts to get more minutes. I don't see that happen necessarily this year. But next year, I think Ekholm's going to have a huge, huge impact on him. So great trade by Edmonton. Nick Bukestad's been helpful. I feel like Edmonton needed one or two more players to win it, to possibly win it all this year. But uh, you just can't discount how great their top five forwards have been, that's for sure. Stanley Cup playoffs right around the corner. Lots, and we're going to be counting on you to come on the show and break it all down for us. Uh, Thanks for doing this, pal. Anytime. Happy to do it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Lots. Brian Lawton. I like his name because it sounds like I'm saying thanks, Lots, like a whole bunch. Thanks, lots. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, lots, lots. <laughs> uh, just to touch on Ekholm a little bit, mm. that they look like a different team. They it's do, since the trade deadline. Yeah, it's the most I can remember one guy altering. When the Leafs got Muzzin, we saw it, though, right? It was like, oh, one of those is so nice to have. I, it just kills me. They're like, oh, we lost Tyson Berry, our best buddy. And then they saw Ekholm walk through the oh, They're like, oh, we're we're good. Yeah. It's like, we miss you, Tice. Hope you like your country and music, pal. It's just not him on the ice, but everyone else improving. Yeah. Right? And your goaltending. Your goaltending good point. gets better when you have a guy like that. 
Yeah, it's like Marty Broder being the greatest goalie of all time or one of them, and it's like, well, you play behind really good D. That helps. Yeah, Danico, uh, Niedermeyer, Stevens. Yeah, uh, the whole team's yeah. playing a left-wing lock yeah, or not, you know, full lock. Was your power play uh Right Edmonton, yeah, the best in the, the history charts. of the NHL, it, yeah. And it hasn't really no, wavered. hasn't cooled off. No, there's hasn't cooled off. Smoking hot with Bouchard. it is though a big ask for Bouchard to come in there and, yeah. and continue it. And Edmonton, he's answered it. you can talk me into the Oilers winning the cup and getting eliminated in round one. Like they, you know, Bouchard's running the power play. The goalies have never done it or had success there. The D has some question marks, but oh my God, there's a million reasons why they're so good. Uh, you can talk me either way in the Oilers, uh, boys. I had, was not familiar with the Dino Cicerelli on Luke Richardson. Yes. You found it? I looked it up. I remember it. Hey. Is he getting kicked out of the league No, now? no, no. That's... He's going to jail. Go to jail. <laughs> yes. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. You go straight to jail. Dino he, Cicerelli had an unbelievable offensive It's career. interesting hearing that he didn't... Um, fight. Because I always thought of him as a scrappy, pesty type of guy. Was, and I... Yeah. And, very seldom would his gloves come off. But okay. Like, uh, if if you take that bunting scenario last night with uh, with uh, Walkman, mm-hmm. Wallman, Wallman, sorry, yeah, yeah good. Wallman, Dino gets up after the first cross check and spears him right. or or cracks him over the head or with punches him with his two hands with you know the punch oh yeah i love that with, move with really, the, really it's like yeah. holding a roll of quarters and you post cross check, but it's going to be a punch <laughs> yeah. with with without my stick being dropped right and that you know in itself is a different beast than bunting waiting for the second cross check for sure yep dino cicerelli scored 608 goals he's in the hall of famer bud i think i just, it's that has got to be one of the most underrated offensive careers. Yeah, and sticky in the you yeah. know wears. Yeah. And there is a different element. Dino, right off the bat, his days in Minnesota as a rookie comes in. He's a front line guy right away. Whereas Bunting worked his way up here. Well, yeah, worked his way up, but also that you know he's not seen as a Dino was a star. Right out of the gate. Yeah. Bunting's not seen as a star. And then there's an, an element that we could maybe, it's a lot easier to not give him the calls than even a Dino Cicerelli. Sure. It's also an uncomfortable truth. This is unrelated to the point you're making, that Bunting has not looked good away from Matthews. He has not been his best. Like this, I don't know about you, but like it, he has to play with a top guy kind of. And that's obviously not, Dino wasn't like that. Yeah. He 55 goals in his first full uh, season. There you go. Okay. Anyways, let's go to break. All right, go to break. Darren Pang, after former NHL goalie, hockey analyst with TNT, will join us. You are watching and listening on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Real Kipper and Bourne. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale, David Sis, Boomba, Sammy McKee, and now added to that all-star list, Darren. Uh-oh. <laughs> Dropped call? Hey, boy. Oh, is that? No, not at all, big guy. Oh, right here. my gosh. Holy jumping. Why did you I scream? Did. <laughs> I thought he was like. Is that me screaming? No. Sammy just gave out this, like. I thought it was a drop call for sure. 
It was just a loud noise on my oh, end yeah. uh, over here. I thought it was a drop call. No, we're all good. He's there. We've got oh, he, Darren Pang, the star. He's a lot sharper than that. <laughs> Listen, Not at all, but, all but I know is a lot sharper than that. We, we, had, uh, we had lots on earlier, and it kind of got a little cracky. Did you notice that, JB? You know what I did, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. all I saw was, like, Sammy's eyes go like manhole covers. <laughs> like, he was, he knows one more drop call, and JB and I fire him. <laughs> right? That's, wow. That is tough. Yeah, you it's tough. be a job opening, Panger, yeah, if you Panger. need some work. <laughs> How are you doing? No, that's, that's the last thing I need is work. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, pal? I'm doing fantastic. I was just at therapy here in in St. Louis, and I, I've had some neck and shoulder issues stemming from my uh, fall at the Winter Classic, but I'm I'm all fixed up. I'm ready to go. I played some golf in Nashville. Um, it's 78 degrees Fahrenheit here in St. Louis Come today, on. and it yeah, it is incredibly hot, warm, humid, uh, and so it's uh, what I keep thinking about is not playoff hockey. I keep thinking about the Masters. The Masters. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. And who do I get in my pool? That's what I'm thinking about. Wow. Yeah. Hey, where, where'd you take me golfing where the Canadian won the first gold medal in the Olympics? Glen Echo Country Club. Glen Echo. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, really good spot. club west of the Mississippi. Yep. Yeah. A lot of history um, there. In fact, so, absolutely. In fact, I had a, a bunch of, uh, I think I had six or eight uh, Vancouver Canucks. They had an off day here uh, in St. Louis. And, uh, they wanted to go enjoy a day, but I, I'm not sure if people in Canada know, but on Mondays, um, private country clubs are closed. And I think I've told that, you, you that, uh, Kipper. Yeah. Uh, so Mondays they're closed. It's maintenance day or a lot of clubs, they, they get a little bit of revenue by hosting, you know, a charity tournament on the Monday. So as a member, you can't just go, you can't go on Monday and just go play. It's, it's she's shut down. So uh, can't even go chip and putt or do whatever. So it just so happens every single Monday here has been unbelievable. And so uh, anyway, it's a, it's a te- bit of a teaser, but uh, that Glen Echo is a, a, a great old golf course. I think it was built in 1901 and hosted the uh, the first Olympics. And uh, a Canadian that's a member at your club uh, beat the American on the uh, 15th hole and won the first gold medal ever that's on display at your club, too. Yes, it is. Uh, Rosedale. Huh? That's all great. I'm glad you guys are having a nice time with your fancy courses. One more more golf. (laughs) Oh, boy, JB. Jealousy. Now that we're on the topic of uh, golf, I know you have an opinion on Brooks Kepka going after Ekblad. Uh, Yeah. I, I mean... Seriously, seriously, I didn't like it. I thought he, ex- I thought he exposed himself enough in that, uh, uh, in the full swing uh, PGA documentary <laughs> with the with with the uh, with his hair tipped. Uh, he's too old to have his hair. His hair was all tipped blonde like that. So um, highlighted. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, where the heck did he get a pylon from? What did he bring that with him to the game? Yeah, good question. Just carries one oh. around parking spots. Um, are we good? Can I ask a hockey question yes, now? Yes, you we... can. <laughs> Banger. Maybe I'm ready for you, buddy. Right, I'm ready. You know, I know you got a look at the Boston Bruins up close and personal. The plan yeah. is for the Toronto Maple Leafs to play them in a playoff series in uh, less than four weeks' time. 
What'd you think? They just keep winning. They, they, you know, even if it's a goal or two, they sneak by teams out of the playoffs. Doesn't matter. Another three in a row for them. Uh, very impressive. Um, you know what, JB? Fundamentally sound. Um, even without in, in our game, there was obviously no Taylor Hall, no Polino. Forbert was still injured. Um, they did sit uh, uh, Charlie McAvoy. Uh, Mr. Perfect, Patrice Bergeron, and and also David Krejci. So their lines were Marchand, Coyle, and DeBrusque, Bertuzzi, Zaka, and Pasternak, yep. Lauko, Frederick, and Steen, Greer, Nosek, and Napway, and they still look like a well-oiled machine. So what I guess what I'm saying is they, they it's instilled in them. Um, their co- their coach uh, their coach Jimmy Montgomery told me before the game he said that Bergeron is the best captain that he has ever had. He's just, yeah. it's just a self-oiled machine. And when things aren't going well, he says, there's not much stress on the coach. He just takes care of everything. So, you know, if, if they don't have a third man back when the defenseman's pinching, you know, that third man's getting, getting it, not the defenseman. So like I, I, you know, in order to beat a team like Boston, you, you have to be on your game. You have to have patience. You have to be again, counter them with fundamentally sound hockey. Um, they get, they're getting great goaltending. Even the game against St. Louis, uh, Linus Allmark made several unbelievable saves in that game, even though he didn't face a lot of shots. And so timely saves, great goaltending. Their special teams are, are pretty outstanding, especially their penalty kill and their five on five. So they get five on five chances. Yeah. They're plus 80 going into that game. And then they get, uh, and then their penalty kill is first on the road uh, and overall. Um, so I don't think they worry too much about their power play. It takes care of itself, but it's not the best power play in the world. But you could see under pressure that uh, they would be able to score a timely goal with that. So no Krejci, no Bergeron and uh, McAvoy, you said. And they find a way yeah. to win. Leafs last night go no Marner, no Giordano, uh, no McCabe, and find a way to lose. Is this just another element to the Boston Bruins where you say, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, this would be considered one of the bigger upsets in history. Yeah, I mean, you would because, I mean, the pressure is always on the team that's that's garnered 60 wins and they're, they're going to have more than that. And then, you know, the, the 100, whatever, they're at 125 points. Their goals, four goals against average is out of this world. It's at plus 120. I, I don't know the last time I saw a number like that. But I, I remember, the, the, I think the Red Wings, I guess Tampa Bay was the last team that had a good, good like a really unbelievable season. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about shootouts and we're talking about three-on-three overtime that generate, you know, wins, which actually, you know, kind of, you know, kind of exaggerates the win column as well. So don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from them, but that 95-96 team of the Red Wings, man, I mean, that team had a lot of pressure on them and they lost against Colorado uh, and they didn't win the Stanley Cup that year. I think it's hard to win the Stanley Cup when you have such a great year um, only because expectations around you are, are so high um, and you're the team that everybody wants to knock off. Listen, even the St. Louis blues that are not in the playoffs, you know, they were embarrassed the day before in Nashville. I mean, it was just not a, it was not a very good game to, to, to watch or for them to play in. And they were quite embarrassed by the way they played, you know, they, they turned around not 24 hours later and they have to play the Boston Bruins and they played a heck of a game because they're playing the best team in the league. One of the best teams that have ever played in the NHL and they didn't want to be embarrassed. So that's what happens when you play the Boston Bruins. They're also facing teams that are, are ready for them. So 
Um, so two parts. Number one, yes, there's a ton of pressure on the Boston Bruins. And, and number two, Kipper and JB, um, I, I, I seem to think that they can handle it. Whether they win it or not, they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. If you beat the Boston Bruins in the conference final, then you're a heck of a team, and you probably deserve to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, the only other team I can think of that has pressure like Boston is Colorado. I know they won the Cup last year, but they are going in as the defending Cup champions. Um, and they haven't quite been healthy, but they're starting to roll again. They're one point off the division lead now, and they actually play the Minnesota Wild this week, I believe. So what are your thoughts that's on right. this Avs team? Can they Can they repeat? Do you like their team as much as last year? Maybe not as much as last year because I think their center ice position was pretty darn good with with Kadri and obviously you know they still had Burakowski last year. I think they had a a bigger, heavier team last year, and and I think that Kadri's play, especially in that series against the St. Louis Blues, regardless of the injury to the goaltender Bennington, he came back the next game and scored three goals. Like he was an impactful player through the playoffs. So um, so no, I think last year's team JB was just better all the way around. Um, but you know, when you, when you have new players on your team and you've already won it, I mean, that's the carrot that you're chewing on is you want, you know, you want those guys to win. They want Georgiev to be the winner that Kemper was last year. You know, there's a, you know, there's newer players on that team. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is a guy that's had a good regular season. They'd likely, you know, they throw players like that ahead and say, that's who we want to win for. And so, but I don't think they're as feared as they were last year, but that doesn't mean they're not a really, really good team. And I, I think that they're going to win the Central Division and that they'll end up in, in, in the first spot. they got one game in hand on both Dallas and Minnesota. But if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I mean, I, I was convinced that the Dallas Stars were going to win that, you know, win the Central, and they still could win the Central. And I thought that the Dallas Stars were the team that are going to get out of the Western Conference. But, you know, this, there's been some ebbs and flows in play and consistency uh, throughout the season for all these teams. But by and large, Dallas, Minnesota, um, you know, I guess Edmonton, LA, Vegas. I mean, they've they've been pretty consistent teams. And Colorado, everybody fears them because of Kale McCarr and because they're top end players. So we know who the top three teams are going to be in the Central and the Pacific. What we don't know is the wild card situation. A lot of focus on Calgary and Winnipeg, but Panger should Seattle fans be nervous? Yep, they should. Uh, they should be. I mean, they they do have two games in hand, though, on Winnipeg and Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, that, that's big. They put enough points in the bank um, to allow them to falter a little bit. But, you know, there's there's almost some, some naivety with, with Seattle. They just go out and they, they just play. Um, and even though they're, I mean, they're sitting at 90 points, that's a, that's a heck of a year uh, for them right now. But uh, the team, obviously, that's, that's hanging on by a thread is the, is the Winnipeg Jets. They are. And, you know, there's something about Calgary that I, I tend to think, I, I don't know what it is about them. It's probably because of the makeup of their coaching staff. It's probably because their players have had to handle adversity all year and, and it hasn't been fun for them. Um, but uh, I, I tend to think that they're going to get into the playoffs. And if they do, I don't think I'd want to play them in the first round. I think they'll take a chunk out of you. Yeah. And I know they haven't played well enough for, a lot of people to be convinced of that, but there's just something there with the Calgary Flames and with their coach. 
You know, we've been kicking around uh, the other Alberta team too. You know, they added Eckholm and Bouchard's playing well. Eckholm looks like a real rock for them. You know, trying to get a sense of where people think their cup odds are because obviously they got the the best player in the world and a couple of them there. You know, they're a couple points out of first in, in their own division. Do you like their chances this season? Do you feel like that decor and goaltending is good enough to do more than win around? Oh, I I do. I'd be. I wouldn't want to play them, would no, you? Not at all. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, especially with Ekholm. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of hockey fans still haven't seen him enough to genuinely appreciate every aspect of his game. I've been very fortunate, so I've seen him play a lot of games, being in the Central Division and doing a lot of, you know, the Nashville, you know, their team, their success, going to the final. He's a horse. I mean, in the offensive zone. You know, don't sleep on him. He knows. I just had a good conversation in the last game I did. It was a TNT game in Edmonton, and it was like, you know, that strong side cycle. When they get going and Connor gets going and then Hyman's in front of the net and then you, you don't know where, you know, you, I mean, if they're doubling up, uh, dry side will whip them. That's fine. That's three players. But, man, when you get an active D as well and, and a guy that just sneaks in in the back door, that's what Ekholm does really, really well. Strong side cycles on the left side. He's down below. He's down below the hash marks. Now he's down at the goal line. The player that dumped it off to him on the cycle, he comes up and covers his spot. And then Ekholm's smart enough. He can make a play as well. So I think he um, he loves everything about Edmonton. Some of the things he told me about how his wife just absolutely loves it there. They love the cold. They love the area. They love the atmosphere. I'm like, wow, did Kenny Holland ever get a winner? Like he uh, he got the right guy for that or that, that team. So are they strong enough? Yeah. I think he's made their other defensemen better, and I think they listen to him. They they observe what he does and how he handles himself, and I think this is making you know that entire team better. And so, um, are they good enough to go all the way? Look, when I look at the West, I say why not? That's what I say. I I, I, I don't have a sure bet out of the Western Conference, and that's why it's wide open for me. You know, people were saying the exact same thing about Winnipeg about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, yeah. and I for one said at the beginning of the year, I think there's a there's a chance that Winnipeg could miss the playoffs because I just thought there was too many distractions and then they came out of the gate with the whole uh, Blake Wheeler controversy over his captaincy and taking that away. And now we're starting to see kind of maybe a few distractions coming up. Where would you pinpoint this this breakdown down the stretch for Winnipeg? Off the ice, on the ice? Well, honestly, Kipper, I, I don't know what goes on off the ice with very many teams. I mean, and even if even if I did or heard something, you'd have to really dig down deep and you find out an awful lot about it. Panger, you know what I mean? Yeah, like Panger, I, when, I, when I say I, that, I just meant the fact that so many guys are going into contract years or needing new contracts yeah. or, you know, what happens to Blake Wheeler uh, after this year, Shifley, Hellebuck needs a new contract in a, in a, in a year. Where'd you go, Kipper? I'm here, pal. Did you get me? Did you did, did you hear me? Yeah, there you, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. I, sorry, I thought you I thought you disappeared like you would on the 16th hole after a bad putt. Um. <laughs> I was when I said off ice distractions, I just meant the core and and who stays yeah, but, and who yeah. goes long term. And and that's always, you know that that I guess that is there. That's that's real. That's real. Um, but I. I 
they're in the now right now. Like this is, there's no reason, there's no reason for this group right now to not find their way, uh, to not g- gather it all up with a, you know, they've got some good players. They're solid at the center ice position. They'd be a handful in the playoff series, you know, all that stuff aside, if that is in fact uh, stuff that's bothering them, then that's, that's on them. That's on that leadership group to pick it up. Um, and not necessarily on the coaching staff always to, to be there to pick up the pieces. Paul Maurice did it for years or tried it for years. And, and, uh, and, you know, so I, I think that, you know, whether it's the Mark Shifley's or the Kyle Connors and, you know, we talk about break Blake Wheeler's uh, they've got to, you know, they got to play the game like, like big boys right now in order to just get in. And maybe if they just get in and, uh, you know, maybe they can get themselves on a roll, but I haven't seen the consistency for the last month and a half to see that that can, that could happen this so late in the season for me. Hey, we'll just take you to the, uh, the Eastern conference and get one thought from you on that final playoff race. Uh, the New York Islanders, the Penguins, the Panthers, even the uh, Sabres still kind of hanging around as potential teams to get in anyone you really like or really dislike out of that mix. I tell you what team I wouldn't want to play is and I maybe because I just saw them and they're fresh on fresh on my mind, but the New York Islanders. Yeah. Uh, you know what, JB? I just think that the size of their D, the structure of their team, it's um, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, and I know there's a lot of guys out there that that you know kind of complain about their lack of um, excitement level, but you know I had a good talk with Lou Lamorella before the game in Washington that, that I did just last week and. We were just talking about team defense and patience, and and you know we agreed on this. I mean, well, not that I had to agree with Lou, but you have to outpatient the New York Islanders. And there's a lot of teams in the playoffs that don't have that ability. They want it in a hurry. They want to get there fast. They want to do it fast. They want to score on the rush. They want to cheat a little bit on the breakout pass. And you cannot do that against the Islanders. They're they're a team that you have to prepare to take one step at a time for them. If they give you five inches, take five inches. If they give you five feet, take the five feet. But you're not going to get much more than that with, I mean, Pellick Mayfield. Okay, let me just go through this because I've got, I just happen to have it handy. 6'3", 210, 6'5", 220. Ro- 6'1", and he's probably the heaviest hitter of that group. And, and uh, Pulak, 6'2", 216. Ball Duke played this particular game. Aho was injured, 6'4", 220, and Dobson, not the most physical guy, but 6'4", 194. Long sticks, stop the cycle, gap closure's excellent, and the, and the forwards back check like crazy. So I don't, that's the team I would say, JB, number one for me is I wouldn't want to face the Islanders in the first round. Great answer, Panger. <laughs> <laughs> Which means all that's left for Florida is to look at Pittsburgh and every time Panger... I write off Pittsburgh. Sid makes me <laughs> Sid makes me look like an ass. So I'm not I'm not doing it again. Oh boy. Can you, Florida, can you this see, is gonna can, be this is gonna be great though, isn't it? Down the, I mean it really is gonna be great stuff. Because even I mean, even the New York Islanders are catchable. I mean you're you're talking about two points. You're talking about Islanders have played one more game than Pittsburgh and Florida. Does it come down to that? Oh my goodness. The team that's Goals for goals against that's minus in that group, and it, they're only minus one is Pittsburgh. History tells us that every team that's a plus goals for goals against, they get in. Well, right now, Florida is plus 12, Islanders are plus 13, and it's the Pittsburgh Penguins' second wild card that are a minus one. Does that come to fruition? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Dicey. Gonna be fun. All right, Panger, we're gonna let you go. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got on, in, in store in the next uh, night and two? I've got lots in store for you, big guy. I've got a game tomorrow night here in St. Louis, and then I travel Wednesday to Anaheim, Edmonton at Anaheim for a TNT game on Wednesday, and then I come back to. So I got flyers tomorrow night. Thursday night, I got the return of uh, Vladdy Tarasenko to St. Louis for the first time, and that's on Thursday night here locally. You like the Rangers with him and Kaner? Um, have not really truly impressed me that much. No. Chemistry's a real, eh? And it's just, you know, it's uh, they, they take up a large portion on the right side. They, they should make them a better team. And uh, I, I think pace, maybe this is just the games that I've watched. I think that pace has to get picked up. Um, I know Vladdy firsthand when he's going and he's forechecking and he's going hard and playing a, like a 45-second shift, then I, then I know that he's on his game. And if, if the shifts are cut down to 15, 20 seconds um, and not getting in there on the forecheck, then the, 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 it upsets the apple cart because of the two line mates. So that's the biggest thing that I can see right there. Uh, but he has proven in the playoffs, and he did so with the Blues, um, that when you've got enough leadership and you've got enough buy-in, uh, he went hard for the Blues when they won the Stanley Cup. Now, uh, that's that's going to be essential for, for he and Patrick Kane to have pace to their game. Panger, great stuff, man. Thanks for doing this. It's always my pleasure, you guys, this award-winning show hey. that I've never gotten paid for. <laughs> no, I've been involved in any time. Hey. You know that. And, and, and JB can hit the ball. <laughs> he, he'd give you a run, I think. I don't know about that. Well, but I'd love the chance to I try. Bunt- I love that, JB. I bunted. Maybe I'll get there for the playoffs, and uh, and the big hitter over there can take us to his basement. We can hit balls and warm up, and then over to the club. What do you think, Kip? Sammy's holding up. I'm the fourth <laughs> with his fingers, <laughs> and I'm like, one more dropped call, and you're, Come on. you're you 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 may be lucky if you caddy. Yeah, yeah, Sammy, Bill, I got, your, I got your back, Sammy. Thanks. All Thanks, your Sammy. texts to me are very kind and, and, and gentle, and you're always very nice to me. So, Kipper, lay off him a little bit. I all will. Right, pal? I will. It'll be fine. Okay. Uh, on, on that note, I will. <laughs> Darren Pang, thanks for doing this. Okay, TNT. Thanks, Pang. You got He can golf. Yeah, he, he's a like a low capper, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we played that uh, Glen Echo course. Yeah. I think he shot like uh, 78, and he wasn't even that that good drives me crazy when you got guys and I don't, I'm assuming yeah. he doesn't pound at 300 or anything. No, no, just steady yeah, and just, always in play yeah. and uh, d- doesn't make too many mistakes. The game's played like 150 in. If you can get a few up and downs or not three putt, you're going to, you know, you're going to score. You know, I think he made some similar points about some hockey teams that don't beat themselves, the Bruins and the Islanders, where he said, you know, these are the teams that they make you be patient, stick with it, do it the right way, let yeah. your opportunities come. It's a really good golf metaphor. Thought I'd tie that in for us. I like it. I do too. <laughs> Tro- uh, all the city of Toronto golf courses opening tomorrow, fellas. If you could get your snorkel out and go out and play some golf. <laughs> Buddy, I can't believe it's that time. We're here. You know, though. Playoffs. April in Toronto. You're the, it's we're the worst gonna, month of the year. We're going to get hit with like this <laughs> snowstorm. stupid snowstorm. Snowstorm somewhere where 100%. you just shake your head. Yeah. I, you and know, then it'll melt in like four days. Yeah. I grew up in Kelowna, BC, where like April is full on, like tulips are blooming, course has been open for a month. This is my worst month of the year in Ontario, April where it's stinks. like, it's just oh, it's like, great for sports. Yes, amazing for television. Bad for the weather. weather's like. Hey. So, 
Some of these courses they only like have 14, 15 holes available. Don, Don Valley's got 15. That personally I, offends me. I can't. Hey, hey, that hey, bugs me. Come on now, boys. I don't want to disparage the good name of Don Valley Golf no, Course. No, no, no we love fine. Don Valley. But listen, love I will stick my Don nose Valley. up at playing good. temp greens or 15 Agree. holes. Just, it's hard. Agree. Agree. They still got other ones. Tam O'Shanter. I know Kipper loves that course. You know, no, uh, hey, I played it real early with my cousin George. Love it. Love it. Good old Tam. You know, there's certain people for certain courses, and I feel like I know what George is about without knowing a thing about him. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll go to the DVP with Sam yeah. for sure. All right. <laughs> Boys, I got a, I got a very urgent telegraph oh, on my, no, on my no. lineup here. It's on my lineup, so it's not a, I guess it's not that urgent, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are getting hot. Oh, no. Is that right? Best, well, uh, the, it's just th- one guy that everyone's scared of. It's funny. You know, you're not scared of... Point. You're not scared. He's and I speak of Sam yeah. oh, and yeah. Leaf Nation. We're correct. You're not scared of Stamkos. You're not scared of Hedman. Yeah. You're not scared of uh, Anthony Sorelli. Hmm. You're petrified of Vasilevsky. So can I read this out? Please yeah. Okay. He was the first star of the week last week. Oh. He stopped 99 of 100 shots he faced last week, posting a 3 0 record. And a .33 goals against average, a 9-9-0, yes, you heard that right, 9-9-0 save percentage and two shutouts as the Lightning outscored their opponents 14-1 in their three wins and clinched a berth in the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. I can't believe they couldn't find somebody with a better week. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to Alex Kalorn do an interview the other day, and they were like, you know, do you guys think you're able to turn it up at the right uh, time of the season? Uh, he was like, well, that's absolutely, you know, what we believe in here. And, you know, we've shown we can consistently do it. And uh, we're building towards something. And it doesn't matter what you have done. And we're still the same team. And uh, I was just like, oh. You know what's uh, <laughs> a, a little bit still of an underrated kind of thing about Vasilevsky is. Stopping pucks? No. Oh. How intense he is. Yeah. And how he gives the team Fight. Crap. Yeah. No, no, crap. Yeah. Really? If they're not good in front of him. Like, he he understands his pecking order, his value in that room. And I think on a couple of occasions, we've seen him snap coming off the ice, mm-hmm. right? But behind the scenes, I hear that if he's not happy, nobody's happy in that room. Interesting conversation about who the most important player in the Tampa Bay Lightning is. And I think... Pretty clearly it's him first, right? Him, then Hedman, then Point. Do I have that right, pecking order? What about, what about the guy What about uh, the guy that's like a, got 100 points? Just the Hart Trophy winner yeah, who's got yeah, 120 yeah. points? Yeah, what about him? No, he's behind the three I just named. Yeah, you're probably right. I no, mean, no, I'm telling you. He's, it's Vasilevsky that sits at the top of the mountain yeah. on that team. I'm not surprised to hear that in terms of just like leadership and yes. talking to the guys and yeah. Yeah. And just... Uh, yeah. You know, there must have been a stretch there where he was just miserable to be around. Just the team and the team was flailing well, a little bit. T- take a look at their record from yeah. January up until this past week before he started stopping 99 out of 100 shots. Like, I don't know. Maybe the one thing we'll about see. We'll see where they go here. They've got the Rangers, Islanders, Ottawa, Toronto, and Detroit. To, to close out the year. Do they think that they can catch Toronto? Yes. For first, uh, for home ice advantage. I where, where genuinely believe they are, don't are, care. They are the second best team, right, at home? Uh, the Lightning? Yeah, next to the Boston Bruins. 
I'm looking that up quickly, but I think you're right. Yeah. I don't think they, I shouldn't say again, just like the start of our show, not that they don't care, but I do think they have full confidence in themselves. They did it last year with Toronto having home ice. Like, I think they're prioritizing process, not... They are indeed the second best team on home ice. Can't be far ahead of the With a 27-7-5 record. The third place team at home is the Toronto Maple Leafs with 25-8-6. So so you could say that uh, it's pretty important. Yeah. So... Now, if you're the Leafs, you have to win tomorrow night against Columbus. If you don't beat Columbus tomorrow night, yeah. does the door not open a little bit? Wow, that was a hell of a door opening. Yeah, right. Right. Well done. Shout out to my Uncle Jim who used to tell us uh, ghost stories around the campfire because that's very comparable. That's a quality door. That's, right a, good door. that's a good ghost story door. <laughs> hell of a door. It's going to be a ghost story again we got to play this. Goddamn Vasilevsky in the first round. Uh, okay, but just, no, you, you can't suck just, me into your narrative. No, 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 no. I don't want it. Lose to Columbus. Yeah, they're not going to lose And Columbus. now you go to Boston and you lose to Boston. You don't open up the door? They have to well, win. Well, these are two different things. Thank you. Tomorrow they, is an absolute. They do abs- not have to win. Yes. No, no Borny, you're, you're being oh, no, too no, no, dismissive. No, no, no. You're, you're, they have to win hey, tomorrow. You dismiss. turn around this week and you drop to Detroit and Columbus at home. Buddy. The door is ajar. Between here and Wednesday, we have, sorry, the Toronto Maple Leafs have Columbus and Boston. The Tampa Bay Lightning have the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders back to back. In there somewhere. Two wins. Two wins for them. Yeah, the perfect team. (laughs) Oh, we're back to this. Okay, so we're not having a conversation. uh, We're just doing fear. Uh by the way, Sergachev left their last game with some sort of leg injury. I don't know if there's any update on that yet. Did it but... fall off? Because otherwise he's going to be there in class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did he leave the ice do holding his leg? That. Did he leave the ice holding his leg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just on one leg, carrying the other. Then I'll, I'll be interested. Just... It looked bad. Give a report that saying. they're sewing it back on. <laughs> yeah. I would still, yeah, instill fear in me. But, I mean... Their decor, the same way that the Leafs plan, hinges entirely on Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Elander. They have to have Hedman, Sergachev, at least, and probably Chernak, too. But Chernak is a little bit of a Matt Murray, but on defense. The emphasis I'm saying is you don't want to drop two points to Columbus. I appreciate what you're saying. And then go to Boston. And all of a sudden pressure's on. And lose. Yeah. And now you got to come home against a Montreal team that will play like it's their Stanley Cup to beat Toronto at home. And they, now... Yeah, they do it every time they play against... They play the hardest against... The of worst. course they do. You yeah. know that's coming. Yeah. You don't want to turn this into a, a scenario where you're scrambling down the stretch. And a four-point lead. Just you know, win Tampa's tomorrow night. five games left, even hey. less. Win close tomorrow. Out, yes. Close out your two points tomorrow night. And 106 get you there. You have 100. You got six games to go. Every time Tampa loses, that number lowers. Boys, I'm not. Wow. Just, math. Yeah. Good math. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Those glasses aren't for nothing. <laughs> they do math. I have like uh, glasses. Game 79 this week, Winnipeg versus Calgary. Got to oh, be the best baby. game of the NHL regular season. Oh, baby. I mean, two teams I generally hate watching, at least, playing to, against each other. Both of them pretty tough watches, yeah, but so the stakes are like huge. Play-in game. The stakes are so massive. So here is the stakes: uh, Winnipeg eighty-nine points, Calgary eighty-seven. Uh, the tiebreaker is in Winnipeg's favor, which is big. But 
The last two games of Winnipeg's season sees them play Minnesota and Colorado to close their season. Both road games, Minnesota-Colorado. Calgary is four of their last five. Chicago, Vancouver, Nashville, San Jose, soft schedule. That's the Winnipeg's the only playoff team left on their docket. So I think Calgary beats Winnipeg on Wednesday, then they'll get in. But I'm not saying they're going to win that game. I'm saying if they do, then they'll find a way. Boy, they had to get a eke one out last night against the Ducks at home. So it's tough to say what's going to happen with them. Yeah. Lucic scoring a big tying goal for them. <laughs> Sutter's dream. Behind the bench, he's like, I told you, boys. <laughs> 2012 Kings or Bruins or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even think he was on those teams. Chicago, uh, they play Chicago the night before Winnipeg. So it's a back-to-back for Calgary. God, they're not giving games, you know? They're just, are they? Who? I'm just saying. No, no, no. They're, you against these teams? Do they not? No. They scare the crap out of you. Yeah, you're right. And also, those teams are nothing to lose, and they're giving guys chances in new spots. They're playing with less structure. Oh, yeah, it's just you're playing Total, wild card teams. Totally yeah. randomness coming your yeah. way. Some other interesting games this week. Uh, the Oilers play the Kings tomorrow night. They are currently one point behind the Kings. So that home ice battle is real, but they're two points behind the division lead in Vegas. So massive game. And then tonight, Vegas and Mini, the two teams who are in first in their divisions, hanging on to those first spots. Massive you hockey. You got to give Billy Garen, Billy Garen, some love here. First in the Central. Hey, let's get Six him on the games show. To go. Nobody, give him some love. Nobody saw that coming. Absolutely not. Ah, uh, 113 points last year. I don't know. No, like Bodie, <laughs> Bodie on that team. Uh, Boldy, Boldy. Oh, unbelievable! Player. Love Troy him. Bodie? Yeah. Love him. Yeah, what a player. He picked up the slack from Kaprizov like he is Kaprizov. He is all power, that guy, with a set of mitts. Yeah, he's a player, boy. He is sure is a player. So I just wanted to sneak this in here. I know Kipper loves junior hockey, but I just wanted to sneak in a quick Connor Bedard playoff Yeah, update. I saw the highlights. Saw the up, yeah, saw the highlights. Scored two in the first game. They're the six, they're, 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 they're they're all, six seed. Against, six versus one? No, I think it's two. Maybe six versus or five versus three. They're the underdog. Okay. Like, they're, they're they're all over him. They're on top of him. They're bl- they they throw Doesn't a blanket matter. on him. He still finds a way to get his puck. He had five stick on the points puck. yesterday. Last night he had what? He had five points. Hat trick. Tied the game with six minutes left. They win in overtime. Team, you know the whole team team's whole game plan is don't let him beat us. And he's just like, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's gonna. I think he's going to be like I know it's not I think a hot he might take. Win the heart trophy this year. I think you know people are saying he's a little too small. There's, there's so, a little bit of a he's going to be a super duper star. When, when I was with the Washington Capitals, we went into St. Louis, and this is when Brett Hall's scoring like eighty goals. Yeah. And we spend a day and a half going over how Watch we were going to where he parks. Shut down yeah. Brett Hall, and you know the left wing lock, and you're not you know left wingers cannot go in, and it's blah 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 blah. First 20 minutes, I think he's got two and one. <laughs> and Brian Murray comes in and just takes the chalkboard and just chucks it. <laughs> yeah, what are, what are we even just doing here? It. Yeah. It's like, what are we even talking about, boys? Yeah. I got to think that's Connor Bedard right now. Oh. Right? Oh, my God. That that Saskatoon Blades coach came in and after overtime, like, Jesus, boy, <laughs> 98 and white. I do want to push back on one thing you said. You know, you just said, like, yeah, people are saying he's too small that's, or whatever. That's been a conversation. No one has, I've heard no people say that. Really? And this is the thing of retroactive. No, right. he's strong. He's well, and, and also, like, was it Kepka? I just watched his full swing thing, and he was like, people said I couldn't win or whatever. It's like, no, they no, they didn't. Like, one of the best college players. 
You know, like, everyone does this retroactive, nobody thought we could thing. I haven't heard one person have the balls to say that they don't think Connor Bedard is generational. Not one. Find me the person before the NHL season starts who thinks he can't play or thinks he's going to be an average player. I think he's going to get 100 points next year. In the NHL? Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> give, give me 100 his first year. 70, first year, yeah. 70 points yeah. next He's, year. Listen. 30 and 40. Yeah, with all due respect, on it's, a bad usually, team. it's usually those generational superstars, even if they come in, it's 70, 80 points. The, the team's not good enough. Well, and you're put on Chicago. When he's, when he's playing with Clayton Keller. Teams generally are not good, good enough. Him and Clayton Keller are going to light it up. At least you do get PP time. All of it. Yeah. I did write last week about Connor Bedard too. He's you'll, you won't hear him say that he doesn't want to go to Arizona. That's not happening. Really? Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, cool. he's going to be one of those guys that just uh, does it the right way. Happy, Canadian kid. Happy, happy, happy to be in the NHL. All right. Our thanks to Brian Lawton, Darren Pang. Great guests as always on the Real Kipper and Born Show. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night, and we're back tomorrow.